from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Jacobs will be the running back down inside the five-yard line. Going to get a chance. Stance right. Jackpot, baby! Touchdown Raiders on their opening drive. A wake-up call for the Indianapolis Colts as the Raiders strike first. Here's Carr, takes a snap, sprints off to the right, fires on the run. Jackpot, baby! Touchdown Raiders, Hunter Renfro. Cole checks his kicker. Good hold. Yes, baby! Jackpot, baby! Well, the cardiac kids are struck again, huh? <laughs> they kept oh, it interesting. My, what a run. What a run. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Holy moly. Jackpot baby. Oh, yeah. Who'd have thunk it? I don't know. I feel like I'm the uh, the lone backer of the Raiders on this show. Ari points to himself as well. I am not sure where Willie was at the uh, the end of last week. I just know the impression I got from the other two jabronis who fill in, not fill in, but they're part of the company, Candy and uh, Adam Hill, didn't feel like this. Now, three-game win streak was possible. It was, and it has played out that way, and now we got a game for all the mabbles, as Dave Coker would say. Dave's going to join us in about 45 minutes. All right, Willie, we're there. We're there. We'll get to the Raiders on the field in less than five minutes. All right, let's do it. It's Trending at 2, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. We head to Monday Night Football at 5 o'clock. Big game for the Steelers and the Browns, but... We were planning on doing, uh, I don't know, you know, 18 minutes, basically celebrating, talking about all the good things with the Raiders win over the Colts and deja vu all over again. It's not the deja vu you want, Willie. What's going on here? Raiders and TMZ. Yeah, it goes beyond TMZ. Um, it's official. I have dug into the Clark County's um, court calendar, court case, um, Nate Hobbs was indeed booked on a DUI charge and um, per several different statements that have been put out, including one by the Metropolitan Police Department via Tom Pelissero, um, he was picked up on an off-ramp of a parking garage, passed out in his car, given a field sobriety test. He failed it and uh, was booked. And he has retained the same lawyers, David Chesnoff and company, um, as Henry Ruggs. And they have and, come out, Willie, and said the facts and circumstances. Yep. I guess relayed, it says related, relayed by the Las Vegas Metro Police Department to news media leave serious concerns that this does not qualify as a DUI. No, I think, they, I, think they, I, I think they meant to say, re, I think they, David or whoever put that out meant to say relayed because... All they're seeing is a is a message relayed through Pelissero because I haven't seen an official statement in terms of a press release or anything on Twitter from the uh, Metro. So I'm guessing that Pelissero, the NFL, reached out, NFL Network reached out, and that's the statement that they got. Um, I I, I want to say that Chesnoff is going to say that he wasn't driving; he was parked. You know, it'd be like him saying, "Okay, he got dropped off at his car." Because one report was said on TMZ one report said that he was at the Cromwell and if I'm not mistaken I believe Dre's is at the Cromwell um 
Yeah, cops responded to the Cromwell around 4 a.m. on Monday after they say witnesses saw Hobbs asleep at the wheel on a parking lot exit ramp. Have you been to the Cromwell? Have they changed the ingress and egress to the parking garage? I haven't been there in a long time, no. but from my recollection, it's a corkscrew. As soon as you get in, you just start going round and round and round. Right. Here's the thing. Another report says the 3500 block. If that, if I'm not mistaken, that's the Metro statement. 3500 block is the fashion show mall. Literally. Like if you punch up 3500 South Las Vegas Boulevard, the street view takes you to those inroads to the fashion show. So I don't know necessarily, we, we don't know yet um, if they've got their addresses correct, who's saying, you know, who's where, what. Maybe if he was parked, um, maybe, maybe he was at one location and then parked at another and dropped off and then he just went to sleep in his car. There's no telling because what they're going to say is that, well, he had to have gotten his car there some way, had to have gotten it on the parking garage or on the off-ramp and then decided to not drive. So in some way or another, he's behind the wheel. It sort of, you know, it it leaves the question, if that's what Chestnut is saying, was he operating the vehicle? Well, he had to have gotten the car. He had to have gotten to that spot in some way, shape, or form, um, you know, or especially if it was on an off-ramp. He didn't just get dropped off out of his car where it was originally parked on an off-ramp. So I can't imagine. Um, it just We have to wait for more details to come out, just as Rich Passaccia just told us an hour ago during his press conference. All right, so that's some of the breaking news. Uh, an arrest this morning, according to TMZ, of uh, rookie defensive back Nate Hobbs. Uh, the game yesterday, were you surprised how it turned out, especially what the Raiders' defense did? And, again, the Raiders were on the wrong side of the turnover margin. Uh, I'm surprised at how dominant the Raiders were defensively on that field and being able to do what they did. Now, is it a credit to the defense? Is it because the Colts didn't have a lot of energy within them, you know, based off of how many people were on COVID and didn't get a chance to participate? If any of them did actually have COVID in terms of they tested positive but had the symptoms, you know, it is not an easy recovery. We heard Denzel Perriman talk about it. I mean, it was not – it's not something that's easy to get over, but the Raiders had – a handful also that they had to deal with too. So um, the fact that the Raiders had to travel, that adds to their, um, you know, their adversity a little bit this last week. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I am. I mean, the way that they've been playing and the way that they have found ways to win all season when you least expect it, going back to different victories, especially Thanksgiving in Dallas, um, after the fact, it's not surprising Going in, you're like, how are they going to get it done? I mean, all day yesterday, while I was at T-Mobile, before the game, before the Golden Knights game, I'm sitting there going, we're running the risk. I was talking to other people. One one person was even joking with me. An NHL official was like, don't even speak that into existence, that we're going to have to deal with that. In that, I said, you know, if the Raiders win this game, which is highly likely, they could – the NFL could choose to flex it. The one benefit is that it's such a big rivalry. It's a one and one for all, you know, one and done for one of those teams uh, that they could keep it for Sunday night's primetime and choose two other games. There are enough games on the schedule that it could turn out to, that they could turn two others to, to flex it. So um, it, it was a bit of a buzz going around uh, T-Mobile on press row yesterday. 
Coming back, let's break down the victory. Uh, Derek Carr had a very interesting game on account of the most he came through, but in a lot of ways it was the Raiders' defense that saved the entire offensive unit and some guys stepped up yesterday. My God, Hunter Renfro's been dynamite. He's been really consistent. Zay Jones was awesome. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at Two. It's a refi-rated Nova Home Loans with interest rates at all-time lows. Now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Would you look at Derek Carr? <laughs> Derek Carr, hey, Derek Carr low-key. These game-winning drives, bro, it's, it's becoming like almost automatic. Lord have mercy. And why would you defend Hunter Renfro man-to-man of all people on the Raiders team? Him? NFL insider from ESPN, Marcus Spears, played in the league. Highly impressed with Derek Carr. And Carr had one of those mixed bag games, Willie. When it counted the most, he got it done, 29th. Game-winning drive of his career. The pass to Renfro was awesome, and Spears is right. How is Renfro in a one-on-one situation at this point with so few weapons on the Raiders' side? It's – I don't know how much longer the disrespect – I mean, I I really don't get it when it comes to Hunter Renfro because – not that he's not capable and not that I ever discount what he is, you know, his talent level, but it's just surprising to me every single time that it's him every time getting open as much as that they just, that defenses disregard him or forget about him. I don't know what they're paying attention to when he has emerged. He's always been Derek Carr's, right? How long have, as has everybody been calling him third and Renfro? How long has Derek Carr been able to depend on him? He's got Darren Waller, yes. Darren Waller has been in and out of this season, injuries, COVID, throughout, and Renfro just continues to do it. And yet, they defenses just continue to forget about him. And it happened again yesterday. Um, and you know, I I don't understand necessarily where the defensive mindsets are, but this is how good also. That we're seeing that we're Hunter Renfro is having a career season and he's doing it, you know, he's doing it in a, in, in a very, if you think about it, this season, have we been able to talk about one Las Vegas Raider outside of Daniel Carlson, who has consistently, consistently been good from week one through week 17 outside of the bye week where you can point to a hundred percent effort and somebody that you could count on. Hunter probably Renfro couple, is that guy. Yeah, probably a couple guys on defense, and maybe, maybe Colton Miller. Um, but I get your point. You know, it's not to it's not to down downplay what Renfro's done. I mean, now he's got what ninety nine catches, thousand twenty five yards, seven touchdowns. Get the go ahead yesterday. He's been the savior for this offense. And then the other guy, I mean, Zay Jones. If everyone stays healthy, um, if Henry Ruggs doesn't go, you know, freaking rogue and kill one of our locals. I mean, I don't know if we see Zay Jones targeted freaking 30 times all year. But yesterday, his ability to get open 30 yards downfield, 25 yards downfield, made a monstrous difference for the Raiders. I think that – I don't know how much I agree with that. I think that Zay – let's just say that 
everybody's healthy. There's no issues. I think Zay is probably the number four guy, and I think that he's an you, option. Uh, you, you think he would have passed up Brian Edwards at some point? Yes, I do. Because Zay, it, you know, Brian Edwards is always going to be, in my opinion, that downfield target, that big guy that you can go up top. You stick a man-to-man and, and just say, hey, float one in the end zone type of guy, where Zay can do a multitude of things. Zay is almost at, is like a Hunter Renfro. You know what I mean? And he, but he also rivals a guy like um, Henry Ruggs, who, where he can use his speed and he can run so many different patterns, so many routes. I, I, you know, Hunter Renfro has been the most consistent uh, target for Carr, but I want to say that Zay Jones has somewhat been the unsung hero of that receiving core because he's also been reliable when you least expect it. Where Renfro, you're expecting him to step up. Third downs, you're expecting him to to step up to make those big plays. Like you, at this point, for us sitting in the press box, you're looking, you're going, okay, he's going to go to Renfro, right? He's got to go. He's got to consider him going to Renfro. But Zay Jones, let's not forget who walked off against the, the the Ravens in the game one. So he's always been on the mind. And go back to previous coach John Gruden in training camp. He was the one that said, you know, I don't know if it was verbatim, it was something along the lines of don't sleep on Zay Jones or let's not forget about Zay Jones. That was the running gag that we kept saying because he had said it over and over. A couple of the guys in the media were like, hey, don't sleep on Zay Jones. Don't forget about Zay Jones. Um, and I wrote a story on him earlier in the year uh, for AP about him in that, you know, this is a guy he 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 can he's so versatile, short routes, long routes, his speed. He's sort of a collection of talents of many guys on that team. Let's also not sleep on the fact that back to Renfro. Yeah. His punt return, his punt returns were pretty key. He had 64 yards returning the ball on punts, including a 41 yarder. That's kind of the, you know, that hidden gem in the game. Cause there aren't a lot of elite, really dangerous punt returners anymore. Renfro has done it all. He had a big hit earlier this season. <laughs> That's right. So, and so did Zay Jones. Right in the game was it was it against Miami, and Zay Jones come down. I believe it was Zay Jones. It came down and made 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 a play uh, to pin to pin them back there, and then Casey Hayward and they got the safety. Uh, Renfro has come up. They, talk about two guys all together with receiving and special teams talent that have really come together for this team. Um, we've talked about on defense where you know guys emerging. And that being Max Crosby and across from him, veteran Yannick Ngakwe, you could easily say that offensively and special teams charged outside of Carlson is that Renfro and Zay Jones have sort of, I don't want to say saved as if it's just on them, but they're a big part of what's taken place here down the stretch of this season. You look at Zay Jones' numbers and I think that a lot of it is being overshadowed by the success that Hunter Refro has seen. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. Here comes Carr. Play action. Drops straight back. Looks down to the middle, fires it up over the top. Complete got Zay Jones inside the 20-yard line. You're listening to Cofield and Company. All right, let's continue to break down the uh, Raiders and Colts and also get into the division with the uh, Broncos falling to the Chargers yesterday. 
a guy who played in the league for a long time as a high-level receiver is doing radio in Denver now. It's Brandon Stokely up with Cofield and Company. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I totally appreciate you coming on on this uh, Monday afternoon. So, uh, you know, we were just raving, not ranting, raving about the Raiders receivers who have stepped up, guys like Hunter Renfro. What do you see when you uh, you watch Hunter Renfro, who, you know, yesterday caught another touchdown pass and got the Raiders ahead before they were able to close it out? I mean, the guy's a stud. Uh, all he does is make plays. You know, he does the dirty work, uh, moves the chains on third down, um, makes the tough catches, great route runner, great hands, tough. I mean, you know, what more could you what could you want from a, you know, slot receiver, third down receiver? Um, he, he's a total package, man. I love watching him play, and, you know, he's just so tough and uh, just seems like he makes plays when you need them, you're the fourth down and two play, and then the, the third down and ten play. I mean, it's going to Renfro, and he makes just great plays. And, um, you know, he's that guy that you can tell Derek Carr trusts, and that's a big thing in the NFL as a receiver. you got to have that trust of the quarterback that he knows where you're going to be when you're supposed to be there, and Hunter Renfro is just there all the time for him and then delivers and makes clutch plays. Are you shocked in any way that the, this Raiders group, you know, with all the tumult they've had this season, is – sitting in the driver's seat for a playoff spot? Yeah, absolutely. I thought they were toast. Um, I was over here in Denver saying, you know, this is what the Raiders do. They collapsed late in the season. They had lost five of six, um, you know, and some of them embarrassing. And then, um, you know, found a way to eke out that win against the Browns, uh, depleted Browns team, and then took care of the Broncos um, um, a couple weeks ago. And then just what a great win on the road. you got to give that team, that coaching staff, a lot of credit. I mean, they continued to fight late in the season, and they found ways to win close games. And, um, you know, hats off to that group uh, because I thought they were done. And they flipped the script on, you know, a lot of the media and the fans because when they were sitting at 6-7, and seven, it's like, all right, no shot Rich Passaccia is getting the job. And, you know what, let's come up with plans to get Derek Carr out of here and try to upgrade a quarterback. And now all of a sudden, I think that's changed. <laughs> yeah, I mean – um, look, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, be careful Raiders fans, what you wish for here when it comes to the quarterback position, because, you know, us here in Denver with what we've watched over the last, what, five years post Peyton Manning and the quarterback carousel that we've had here and the, just the disaster of an offense that we've seen here, um, just be careful what you wish for with Derek Carr. Um, I get it. He's not a, you know, a top five, six, seven, ten quarterback, right? Or, you know, he's not that guy. But the guy throws for a lot of yards, and you see him this year with uh, just a, really a cast of characters. Darren Waller's been out, what, six games or so, and he didn't look like himself for a lot of the season to, to begin with. And they found ways here late in the stretch here to, to win some, some football games. And so I would say be careful what you wish for with Derek Carr. I understand you always want an upgrade. It kind of it, it makes you upset when he, when he you know doesn't win some games or make some bad decisions. But, man, there's a lot worse situations out there in the NFL. If you don't have a quarterback, a quarterback that can function in the NFL, you just don't have a chance. And that's what the Broncos have been living in really here in the last five years. Yeah, my philosophy on this, and it's a difficult position because you don't want to insult Carr. I do think the Raiders have to be involved, at least in talks. You know, whether it gets out or not, I don't know. But for Rodgers and maybe Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, at a minimum for this reason, I don't think that the Raiders can watch Russell Wilson or one of those guys land in Denver or in Pittsburgh and not push up the price. So I would like to see the Raiders at least in the mix. So that's Broncos and the Steelers, so they don't get them for a song and a dance. Oh, certainly. If you got a chance to upgrade and you know you can get, you know, a Russell Wilson 
Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson quarterback, then yes, you know, you definitely do that. But you don't just get rid of Carr and, and just, just to get rid of him. Um, you, you don't go down that road uh, because if you don't have one and you don't have an upgrade, a sure thing, then I would say be very careful. Now, you're always looking to upgrade, and, you know, you might draft a quarterback, uh, certainly. Uh, you, you're always looking towards the future, and that's a smart thing to do. But just to get rid of Carr because, you know, he's not that quarterback week in and week out that you can just consistently count on, um, I think is, is a little bit foolish. Brandon, you've been in, um, been around the league, obviously. You were in the league for quite a, quite a bit. you got to be familiar with the coordinators on this team, Gus Bradley, Greg Olson, and, of course, Rich Bisaccia, who grabs the interim spot after the Gruden incident. Um, and we've discussed this for the past few weeks. Is you know, is it a three-headed monster? At some point, does the interim coach take over? Can, can this team continue to operate as it has been collectively as a three-headed? Or do you think by this point that Bisaccia has grabbed the locker room by himself? What, as an NFL veteran, Take us into the locker room and what it's like when the majority – normally an interim coach takes over when a coach is headed out for a specific reason. They're losing, you're fired, and we're moving on to next season. This was an extraordinary circumstance. How does that operate from an NFL player standpoint? And now you're on the brink of making the playoffs when you were left for dead two weeks ago. Yeah, you know, I was around uh, Gus Bradley in Seattle. Um, and, you know, you just love his enthusiasm, what he's about. Uh, but certainly when you look at the situation, it is a unique and different situation. Like you said, usually when you have an interim coach, it's usually late, later in the season because your team is, is, is playing awful and you really don't have much to play for. So definitely a unique and different situation there. And you got to give uh, – I'll probably screw up his name, Rich Bastacio, um, a lot of credit and his staff a lot of credit for being able to keep that team together. And, you know, they lost the five out of six, but they – you know, the last three weeks have, have played good football and put themselves in a position last week of the season to win in advance, and that's all you can really ask for. So – Definitely a, a tough situation, different situation, and, and a lot of other things besides Gruden, you know, getting fired, a lot of other things with the rug situation, you know, that you, you got to go through in that locker room. And so hats off to them, the coaching staff, um, for, for continuing to play, continue to stick together. I think it speaks a lot about the leadership there um, with, with the veterans on that team, Derek Carr, and, and then also the coaching staff. So um, that's all you can really do is give them a lot of credit for how they've been able to battle through adversity because uh, definitely a unique and different uh, season than, than than you've probably ever seen in the NFL. And, and they've stuck together, and uh, when it looked like maybe they were done, uh, they, they pulled out three wins here, and uh, it's been it's been impressive. 15 years in the NFL, Brandon Stokely now doing radio in Denver. All right, give us the vibe today on Denver radio when it comes to the Broncos season, you know, essentially coming to an end with elimination yesterday at the hands of the Chargers. Yeah, just so disappointing here in Denver. Um, you know, I, I, I had uh, picked them to go 10-7 and seven this year. Um, I thought Teddy Bridgewater was the perfect fit. I thought they had a nice roster, and that was the previous four years that I picked them to have losing records. So I'm not a homer over here by any means. Uh, it's the first year that I picked them to have a winning record. And uh, they put themselves in a position here down the stretch and have just totally fallen apart. Had a game against Cincy at home that they had a chance to win and couldn't finish it off. Had the Raiders obviously on the road um, and, uh, you know, just couldn't do the little things. And then just got blown out by the Chargers uh, yesterday. So it's uh, Fire Fangio is kind of the the mantra uh, around uh, Broncos country right now. He's been there for three years and. Um, he got lucky to see year three after a five and eleven season last year, and 
Um, just the collapse here late in the season and not being able to capitalize and win close football games. The offense is stuck in the 1970s. No quarterback of the future right now. So uh, while the roster is a nice roster and you got some young talent, you got a nice defense and some weapons offensive, if you don't have a gunslinger, if you don't have that quarterback, you really don't have a chance week in and week out. And they try to do patchwork um, to the quarterback position. It just hasn't worked. So George Payton, the new general manager, um, is going to have to find a quarterback next year and, and probably a, a new head coach. I just don't see how they keep Vic Fangio for year four. What do you think of uh, Fangio going hyper-aggressive on multiple fourth downs? I got a kick out of that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I liked it. Uh, obviously, look, they, they had a lot of COVID issues, um, yeah. and this is really the first time they've really dealt with that uh, in this type of way. And uh, I think most teams in the NFL have gone through it. Um, and so they were their backs were against the wall this week. They were a depleted team, and they had to do some things defensively. They were, you know, not the same football team. So they knew they had to do some things unorthodox and um, gamble a little bit uh, to try to uh, keep the game close. Um, and, you know, even when it worked for them, they would end up screwing it up and, and have a uh, you know legal formation or something like that, and so they always find a way to take one step forward and five step backwards. And so, um, yeah, I, I thought it was the right approach. I liked it, uh, but but obviously it didn't turn out and didn't work very well for them. Yeah, I was thinking that yesterday too with the illegal formations. I'm like, this is damning on the yeah. uh, on the coaching staff. And again, they were they were down some players. All right, so you're George Payton, Brandon Stokely. You're George Payton, and you want to get involved for Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers if they're available. What's your pitch? Yeah, um, my pitch is, what do you need? Uh, you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're going to leave, you know, hey, we'll, we'll hire your offensive coordinator there, Nathaniel Hackett, I believe it is, um, mm-hmm. uh, and look at our young talent. You know, we got Jerry Judy. We just re-signed Cortland Sutton and uh, Tim Patrick. We got a you know nice young tight end and Noah Fant who, um, you know, you can get the best out of. Um, we got an offensive line that's intact and um, looks – probably going to be back uh, for the third year in a row pretty much intact uh, we got a great young running back in Javante Williams the guy's a complete stud uh, and our defense is, is is a good defense a lot of a lot of young nice draft picks on that side of the football so they got some good nucleus football players um, and so that would be the pitch and kind of whatever you need and uh, you know a quarterback can overcome a lot of flaws especially a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson so uh, that would be the pitch, um, and obviously, I think being in the AFC helps. If the, those guys do get moved uh, this off season, is you know those teams don't want to send them to an NFC team. So being in the AFC, I think, helps. Uh, and if you're in the Broncos situation, uh, you do whatever it takes to try to get one of those guys. Is it realistic? Is Rogers going to want to stay now? Is he going to want to go? Uh, what's his thoughts now uh, that they're so successful and and that team looks like um, you know they're going to continue to be good for a while. Uh, we'll see how that works out. And Russell Wilson, I just don't know how Seattle parts with him. You know, I I know he's going to want out. It seems like he wants out. It's not a coincidence that things get leaked last year before the Super Bowl, and they're getting leaked a little bit again. And you hear his comments. I just don't see how Seattle moves on from him if you don't have another option, which they don't have another option. So that's going to be an interesting storyline. But Aaron Rod, you know, Aaron Rodgers, hey, you want Devontae Adams? We'll go pay Devontae Adams and make him the highest-paid receiver in the league and get him here uh, also. So you do whatever it takes if you have a chance to get uh, Aaron Rodgers. Talking to Brandon Stokely, former NFL vet. Um, Brandon, so let's fast-forward to the final game of the 2021-22 NFL regular season. Sunday night football. You've seen both these teams a couple of times. They're in that division, AFC West, and it's all for the marbles. Why 
can the Las Vegas Raiders beat the Las, Ve- uh, Los Angeles Chargers in terms of what the Raiders possess and what you just saw in the, char- in the Chargers, even though they beat the Broncos up pretty good, but they're deficiencies that Raiders can take advantage of. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think if you can get Josh Jacobs going, and you know, I think his first 100-yard game of, of the year was a couple weeks ago against the Broncos. Um, Broncos are kind of the get-right team for a lot of teams in the NFL right now. Um, but you, you look at the Raiders, you got to run the football. you got to neutralize that pass rush. Uh, and, and earlier in the season when they played the, the Chargers, I mean, they, they were hitting Carr so much. And I think, I think Carr is going to take that personal. You know, you heard what Bosa said after that football game, how they kind of spooked him a little bit. Um, so run the football with Jacobs um, and, and, and try to fluster uh, Herbert. We've seen Herbert have some bad football games this year. You know, he's a nice, bright, young quarterback, but – uh, he has his flaws also. So I think, you know, run the football, establish the run, and, and make make some plays in the passing game. So it's going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to watching it. And this is what it's all about, right? One game, uh, Sunday night football, uh, to, to make it to the playoffs. You're playing at home. What more could you ask for if you're the Raiders? They're kind of playing with house money right now. Everybody wrote them off a month ago. The, the, I think the pressure's on the Chargers. I mean, they were supposed to be a playoff team, and, and they've had more collapses. And the way that they've played the last few years, uh, I think the pressure's more on the Chargers than the Raiders in this football game. Yep, Chargers last week with the uh, bad loss with all the players out against the Texans, but Texans had a bunch of guys out too. That's yeah, a winnable that's game, right. The uh, you know, the – the analytics game where I back what Staley did, but you got to execute. You know, they wound up losing that game. They should have won that one. So they've had a couple of losses. They should be in already. Hey, going back to one of your old teams again, the Colts, and, you know, the Colts just taking on the Raiders. What do you think of the Colts? So the Raiders held um, Jonathan Taylor to 108 yards. First time they lost with him going over 100 yards. As I watched it, and again, he may have had symptoms, and he didn't practice all week. I just, I don't know, man. I just get the vibe from Carson Wentz that, He's he's solid. He can make some big plays, but he's still there's still kind of a caretaker feel to that offense. Yeah, there certainly is uh, with Carson Wentz. You kind of always hold your breath uh, with him. And when's he going to have that bad turnover? When's he going to make that bad mistake? And with that, I mean, they got a solid football team, a, a really good coach football team, a really good solid defense, and you got you know the best running back in the game right now. Their offensive line is is just uh, you know full of really good players. So. Uh, it, their offense should be better, um, especially in the passing game. And it's just uh, – it, it makes you think, can Carson Wentz, can Carson Wentz um, take that next step and, and get over the hump? And he just hasn't been able to do it. But he's going to have to do that if they want to uh, take that next step in the playoffs. But it's a really good football team. They're a scary football team because you, when you have a good defense and you can run the football like they can run the football, uh, that's a scary team in the playoffs. By the way, as a former player, I referenced the uh, Chargers and the analytics stuff. Where are you on this? Because the Chargers couldn't miss out on the playoffs because they didn't execute, and the Ravens certainly, if you look back, you know, being aggressive may cost them a playoff spot too. Yeah, look, I'm I'm all for analytics. I think there's a time and place, and I think you have to have a feel for the football game. You just can't be a, a strictly a numbers person and just say this is what analytics say. This is what I'm going to do. So I think there's a time and place, and that's why you got to have a feel for a football game and certainly the opponent that you're playing. Um, also plays a big part in analytics. But I'm all for analytics. I like the aggressive nature of football. But sometimes, um, you know, you got to have a feel for the game as a coach. And you got to um, push the right buttons there and ignore the analytics. And sometimes you go with the analytics. So I think sometimes coaches lean too much on it, and that's their excuse. Well, that's what the analytics say. Well, I really don't care what the analytics say. It didn't work. 
Um, so I think as a coach, you got to have a good feel for your football team and how the game's going and make that decision. But I think there is a place for analytics, certainly. I think you'd be foolish if you just totally ignored it as a coach, as an organization. But at the same time, I think as a coach, the, the you know why you get paid the big bucks is not just to always lean on the numbers, is to make the right call in certain situations uh, and on how the game is going and who your opponent is. Last one, give me your take on what you saw yesterday with Antonio Brown. Yeah, just a disaster. Um, you know, really was. Obviously, he's got issues. Uh, we've known that. We've seen it um, on the football field, off the football field. Um, but just, you know, just a disaster for for a team like the Bucks, who are really relying on that guy. They're, they they have a ton of injuries, and for him just to walk off in the middle of the game, um, you know, is sad to a certain degree, but also – you know, you you look at just when you, when you play a team sport. You know, it's like you you play for more than yourself. You play for your teammates, and you know, AB has always been about himself, and and that showed in that instance. And obviously, like I said, he's got other things going on that he needs some help. Obviously, but I think when you play a team sport, it's got to be more than yourself. And and with that guy, it's always been about himself, and you just can't have guys on the football team that are, are individuals, and especially when you're trying to do something like the Bucks are trying to do and repeat. Um, and certainly worked out for him last year, but sooner or later, guys like that, they always show their true colors. And it was a it was a disaster, um, and uh, and what a what a what a football game that uh, that game was, and the way that it ended, and what Brady was able to do, I thought was just spectacular. Um, but yeah, it's a, it was a, it was a bad situation. Brandon, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and uh, good luck with what you're doing on radio in Denver. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you all for having me. There he is, Brandon Stokely, 15 years in the National Football League, working for the fan in Denver, played with the Ravens, the Colts, the Broncos. You heard him mention the Seahawks, Giants, uh, Broncos one last time, and then the Ravens. So wealth of knowledge there coming up. Speaking of a wealth of knowledge, we uh, recap some of the betting weekend, also get Dave Koken's hot takes on the news of the day that includes the arrest of Nate Hobbs and Antonio Brown. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. When I was a kid, I would go outside for like three hours and you'd just hear me counting down three, two, one, I'd shoot it or I'd throw the last pass or catch the last pass. Like I always just loved that moment. In this league, these games are always so close that any chance you get to have the ball in your hand last, um, it's exciting. That's what you work so hard for. So I don't know why I'm wired that way. I just, I've always liked it since I was a little kid. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Very happy Derek Carr. Raiders win. They're 9-7. and seven. They're in the driver's seat for a playoff spot. Who'd have thunk it, right? They uh, seem to be reeling like they did the last couple of years. 9-7 and seven now after the win over the Colts. Dave Koken is in with us. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing just fine. I'm uh, reading the uh, comments from uh, people on the Nate Hobbs situation. Don't people ever read stories anymore? I, well, this, hap- this happens all the time on it happens all the time on Facebook and Twitter, where right. somebody just goes by the headline, and you clearly they haven't read the story, uh, because they say, well, you know, he was parked at the, he was on the exit ramp, okay, he wasn't he wasn't in a parking space, he's on the exit ramp. Jeez, read the story. Yeah, and for anyone who's been to what was the Barbary Coast and then Bills and now. Uh, the Cromwell, the exit ramp's a little bit different. Yes. That's an old school garage. It's a corkscrew. So yep. if he was asleep on a corkscrew exit, that's pretty alarming. Yeah. But, you know, it takes, it takes, this is a, 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 a 
it's, it's love sports, but this is unfortunately typical of the short attention span, low information society we've become where it takes 30 seconds to read a story, but nah, just click on the headline and you've got all the information you need. It's unreal. This is, I think, why a lot of people lose at gambling too. They just look at, they just look at one thing and don't bother to examine anything more. And if you don't have good information, you're not going to win. So again, right now, the info we have on uh, Raiders rookie uh, defensive back Nate Hobbs is that he was arrested, uh, DUI, at the Cromwell. Dave, if this is true, and I don't want to jump to conclusions without all the facts, because, of course, his attorneys are saying uh, it's not all factual. We've heard if this is true, what do you do if you're the Raiders? Is it a zero tolerance policy considering you're less than two months removed from Henry Ruggs? I think it needs to be. Um, Maybe not great for. Uh, the team in terms of personnel, because he's a good football player. But, you know, they're in business, uh, and part of that business is image. And their image in town is, is just getting worse by the day. And at some point, they've got to say, okay, we, we, we just can't do this anymore. I mean, what's next? What, do they want to sign Anthony Brown next? I mean. <laughs> Antonio uh, Brown, yeah. Uh, Antonio Brown, excuse me. Yeah. All right, so what would you make of Antonio Brown? Well, and again. Um, here's where people are jumping to conclusions. I brother coming on and saying, well, it was so that, uh, he wouldn't reach the incentives. Um, first of all, he wasn't going to reach the incentives because he was suspended for three games. Um, secondly, he was being told to go back in the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, that's kind of in conflict with the comment that they were benching him because, uh, so he wouldn't make his, uh, uh, his incentives, he was being told to go back into the football game and apparently said his ankle was sore or something like that. So, um, look, he's clearly got mental problems. Uh, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to speculate on what they are. But he's got something wrong with him. And we've known this for a long time. But if people don't want to help themselves, there's no way you can force them to be helped. Yeah, that's the... Uh... That's the tough, that's the part that's kind of bothers him, that it, and it goes back to what you said about people not reading the dang headlines. Is uh, they were telling him Bruce Arians to go back in, and then when he said that he didn't want to, he said, "Well, then go away, leave if you're not going to go back in the game." So he was he was telling him to go back in. The incentive thing is is an absolute joke. Uh, let's shift a little bit of a focus here, Dave. Hockey, um, you know, one of your favorite sports to play a couple of games canceled tonight there's only one game on the board Edmonton and the Rangers not sure if you're playing that but how are you sort of maneuvering in and around <laughs> what you can bet and and how late are you waiting you know with like with I know you don't play NBA that much anymore if not at all but like there are times it seems like you have to just sort of delay till a certain point in the day where you know and you're confirmed yeah. you're going to be able to play it's a minefield uh it's it where it's really bad is college basketball because at least in the NHL or NBA, you get the information at some point. And the college hoops, um, I, you, you're not seeing, you're not getting the information at times until the, the lineups are posted like 10 minutes before the game. So it's, uh, let's just say I'm staying away from the smaller conferences where I can't get any information. <laughs> Ironically, I did yesterday on Indiana State. Found out about a half an hour before the game that three starters weren't playing, so I bet Bradley and, of course, Indiana State went out and won the game. But, um, you know, it's stay on Twitter. That's the best thing I can recommend because that's probably your best source for information. Um, and hope for the best. But it, it's, it, it makes things difficult. 
Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just hoping they play the uh, the LSU Kansas State game tomorrow night. I don't know if it's going to get played. LSU has 39 scholarship players, including no scholarship quarterback, for tomorrow night, and the line's going nuts on the game. Uh, and I, I, I don't know if it's going to get played. I'm on Kansas State at a much better number, so I hope it gets played, but uh, I have my doubts. Yeah, you talk about college basketball, I believe. There were some players that just took the court. I want to say, was it Oregon State and Sacto State? Was that Were they set to start just a second ago, I believe? Sacramento State at Oregon State, they were set to start at – or they were set to tip at three, and I, I want to say that they just removed the players from the court. Well, I just saw that on Twitter. You said keep an eye on Twitter, and sure enough, um, someone just tweeted that. So, um, I had it happen in the Mountain West, uh, not as close to game time, but really close uh, in the Boise State-Wyoming game. That uh, it was about an hour, maybe an hour before tip-off. Uh, so fans were already on their way. Well, both teams are obviously in the arena, and uh, we got we got COVID issues on Boise State games postponed. Yeah, uh, go check out those threads. So the Wyoming fans embarrassing themselves. So just be careful before you lash out at other schools with COVID issues, because the COVID issue could be yours at any moment. So uh, let's talk about the NFL yesterday. Uh, one, what do you think of Zach Taylor going super aggressive? Like, I do not want to give the ball back to 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 uh, Patrick Mahomes. What do you think of the end of the game with the Bengals? I I, I thought they got lucky. Um, what are you doing? It's fifty seconds, and the other team doesn't have timeouts. You got to kick the field goal, and if it's not for a flag getting thrown, that's a tie game. Kansas City's got the ball and probably going to overtime. Um, that was this plus even. Moves and there's minus even moves. That was a minus even move he got away with. Look, I've got all the respect for Patrick Mahomes. The guy's phenomenal. Right. But it's 50 seconds and there's no timeouts. Right. That's tough. To, I don't care who you are. You're going to need two or three plays. And the clock, unless you get out of bounds every time, the clock's going to run out. Can't stop it in the NFL. It doesn't stop on first downs. It's not like college football. So I thought it was a pretty bad move. But they got away with it. And... Uh, and, and they got away with Burrow not being hurt badly because if you're a Bengals, that, that had to be heart in throat moment when he limped off the field. Dave, we just had, uh, we're talking to Dave Koken, the legend. Uh, we just talked to Brandon Stokely. <clears throat> and we talked a little bit about the Denver Broncos and the uh, embarrassing season that they just went through and after yesterday. And he talked about the ploy of, of how, the, you know, how this team could go, go after aggressively approach some guys that may be available, be it Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, but I, I would think that you have to do an impressive job at bringing somebody in, getting rid of Vic Fangio. Your thoughts after yesterday's game as the season comes to a close for that team, a disappointment season, but I, I would think they have to go after an attractive coach before they can go after an attractive quarterback. I guess they're going to probably uh, switch all the coordinators so there'll be massive assistant coach changes if Fangio's staying, or they just clean house again. Um, but quite frankly, I think the problem, the biggest problem they've got is upstairs. Not a very good organization at this point. They've made a lot of bad decisions. And, <laughs> you know, I, I'm i not a Fangio guy. I don't think he's a particularly good head coach. But you can't tell me when you look at the Broncos that you see a playoff team there. I sure no. don't. No. Uh, we were talking about decisions at the end of games. What do you think of Utah and Ohio State? Well, I, I guess he could have used the timeouts. But I, I think Ohio State was just going to win. Utah was out, completely out of gas. 
at that point, and Ohio State was doing whatever they wanted. So I think uh, I think the coach probably just said, okay, we've had enough. Maybe we'll get lucky. Um, but it was kind of way – he waved the white flag a little bit. And I, from a reality standpoint, I, I can't disagree with it. They were done. Um, that was the worry going – I didn't bet the game. That was the worry going in was – I mean, I knew Utah was way more excited about it. Ohio State didn't even – they sold like half their tickets. Uh, and they were really flat. But Ohio State got interested in the game, and the talent differential was enormous. I mean, Ohio State's a top-five team. Utah, well, there's nobody in the Pac-12 that's close to a uh, top-five team. So the talent eventually came out. And, boy, I mean, the the quarterback is amazing. You can can already look at next year and look at Ohio State and Alabama and say, how are they not going to be the two favorites next year uh, to get the championship game with those two great quarterbacks coming back? What are you doing with Bama and Georgia next Monday? I haven't decided. Um, probably not going to play Georgia. I mean, the line's, line's getting pretty high. It's up to three now, and we'll see where it goes. Um, I, I think it's going to be a real good game. Uh, I, I, I'm not – look, the smart money was on Georgia the first time around, and that didn't work out. And the smart money's going to be on them again, but I'm not sure it's going to work out again. Um, Saban with time to prepare is, is awfully good. Last one, I saw that you bet San Diego State over UNLV on Saturday. You got yeah. it. Why did you bet the Aztecs? Uh, even with the point guard out, and then it turned out that the other point guard was also out, which I didn't know about before the game. Right. But uh, I think San Diego State, at this point, really came down to numbers for me. San Diego State, at this point, uh, they're probably a borderline top 50 team. They're still pretty good. UNLV isn't there yet. They're getting better. But the talent right now is not top 100. And... You know, three points, and let's let's call it straight. UNLV's home court advantage isn't very good right now, uh, because nobody shows up at the games. What what were they? Were there five thousand at the game on Saturday? Uh, um, no, no. Yeah, I didn't. I, I I didn't think so. So, home court advantage maybe two points at this point for UNLV. That's about it. And to me, that San Diego State should have been about minus seven in the game. So that was a bet for me. You can find Dave's analysis, his picks up at wagertalk.com. We talk to him every Thursday on the DC and the Sunshine Man podcast at 9 o'clock up on uh, multiple social media platforms. Dave, good luck this week. We'll talk to you later in the week. Thanks, sir. Happy New Year, guys. There he is, Dave Koken. 2022 is here. Football frenzy is coming up. Want to get into that Seattle game. Uh, is that it in terms of, uh, well, there's one more game, but was that the final chance the home fans get to see Pete Carroll work with Russell Wilson? Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.